Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Hey, listening friends, Jack here. And I would like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. And that sponsor is Atlas. Atlas is a branding, web development, and content marketing agency. As a business owner, your day-to-day is uncharted enough. From branding and web design to content marketing, Atlas will help you navigate this digital terrain with ease. In today's world, social media is a great tool. However, you need to have a concrete, focused plan on how to use it. And that's where Atlas comes in. Atlas can help you navigate this modern digital world. And on top of that, Atlas can also help you with traditional means of marketing. So if you would like to book your free consultation, please visit atlasokc.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-O-K-C.com for your free consultation. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack. And if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that I'm the fellow with the ADD Mind. So, um, today, as I have a surprise, surprise, a guest on. And as you, everybody knows, I've if you've listened, I really enjoy listening to people's story. And I think everybody has an important story to tell, that your life is important. And I like all aspects of it, you know, good and bad. It's interesting. I think we all have lessons to learn from other people's life story. And today I have Stephanie on and she's going to talk about, you know, sort of growing up in a in a a pretty religious family and how that sort of affected her and then how she sort of, you know, was an well, obviously an adult, but then sort of at a certain point where she um uh, has gone through uh, the process of deconstruction, and I do wanna wanna throw this out here. This isn't a I'm trying to get people to you know deconstruct or give up your religion. That is not the point of this, but it is still an interesting story to tell, and I think that it's a valuable uh, lesson because there really is something called religious trauma from growing up in super overly religious homes. Mm-hmm. And you can have gone through that and still keep your faith and remain, you know, a strong Christian and everything. You just have to accept that things happened when you were a kid and you got to move forward. And so she's going to come on and talk about, just sort of talk about her her life's journey. So welcome to the, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Jack. It's fun talking to you. (laughs) Yes. I really appreciate this chance. I haven't uh, been on a podcast for a while again like it's been a few months or a year I don't even know but I've missed it you know you kind of it's nerve-wracking but you miss it it's also therapeutic it is oh my gosh I've talked so much (laughs) (laughs) and people are like you talk a lot and I you know I also have ADHD so I tend to overshare an info dump although I think that's also trauma responses I, I don't know I'm work I'm actually doing that less but um, I do sometimes do that, and people are like, "Why are you talking so much? I don't know." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I goodness me. But I understand. Um, I understand. Although in my my particular life, because I'm married and I'm the guy, I do the least amount of talking normally. Uh huh. Because my wife does most of the talking. He's a talker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, but you know, so you have I, to be the listener. <laughs> theoretically. You know, you pro- I, do you put that face on and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, but you're got well, something else in your mind. <laughs> it, it's the ADHD, <laughs> which I know it's really called not ADD, but that flows better with the title. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, sometimes I like my, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, were you even listening? I'm like, maybe? <laughs> 
You got to listen to Simon Sinek. He talks about how to listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would have to listen. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, yeah, she'll come in and I'll be reading and she'll start talking to me. And she's like, and then I'm like, oh, were you saying something? She's like, who do you think I was talking to? <laughs> well, I didn't even hear you talking, so. The Holy Ghost. I was praying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But I did learn when I had the doctor on, uh, the pediatrician. Casey, and she was talking about ADHD because that's one of the things that she kind of specializes in and is good at diagnosing children. And, and apparently if you're reading something, when you super focus and you get rid of the outside world, that is a coping mechanism for people with ADHD. So if you do that, you are coping with your ADHD. Right. And it's like part of emotional intelligence where you can focus on something. I have not gotten there yet. I still, I can't even study in libraries or the bus. It's really hard. Like the, any little noise, I'm just like, and then I get angry. Stop. I stop talking. Stop moving. Stop everything. You know, especially if you're reading, like I was taking philosophy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Try to read the pre-Socratic philosophers, which are so boring. And I'd be in the library and they're like, or just the door opening and closing. And I just freaked out. Like I can't do this. So. Yeah. Right. I sympathize. I really, really do. Good. <laughs> I used to get people like, why Why can't you concentrate? I don't know. Like, I only got diagnosed a few months ago. Uh, and I'm 42. So, you know. I was diagnosed so long ago, it didn't even have a term. I was just hyperactive. I think mm. I was diagnosed in 1976-ish. Wow. As being a hyperactive kid. And I'm sure it's because I I was incredibly energetic, bouncing off the walls, hyper curious about everything. So I imagine that, you know, I I was a handful for a couple first time (laughs) parents. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I find this stuff out now and I'm like, I wish I would have known that, say, in 1978. (laughs) It would have made such a big difference. And I was the good little girl. Like, I didn't know. I thought ADHD was, like, just little boys who couldn't sit mm-hmm. still. Um, and then you find out, oh, it's actually, you learn differently. And mm-hmm. when they're giving oral instructions, I'd be trying to pay attention. Okay, okay. Oh, what did they say? Oh, no, I need help. You know, and then I'd get in trouble at school and at work when we had training. There, and I was sitting there crying because everyone else understood it and we only had you know, a few hours to learn it. And I'd be like, I don't get it. And I'd have to go back on the phones and explain it to people. And, and I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so stupid? And I was like, Oh, I just learned differently, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I... also the addictions, like the food, the binge mm-hmm. eating and the TV, like compulsion, that kind of thing. I was like, Oh, that's just the dopamine that I'm trying to get. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sinning. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> right? nice to it's, know. It's just your brain. Oh, yeah, for crying um, out loud. I oh, I want to get into that. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were going somewhere, and we were just talking about how we store information in our minds. So she's like, my she's like, my memories are basically like a room full of filing cabinets. And when I need something, she's like, I can like go to the filing cabinet and be like, no, 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 okay, here it is, and I can pull out the memory. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, my brain is like the board game of shoots and ladders. <laughs> That's so different because weren't we told, do you remember that Christian book, men are like spaghetti, women are like, no, men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. Men think in boxes and women, they're all over the place, which is how come they can multitask and take care of the kids and everything. It was a book by this Christian couple and I read it. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like women are so different and men, you know, it's not, it's not men and women thing. It's different people are different ways. Like. Yeah, it's really the difference between being neurotypical and what they call neurodivergent. Right. And and so, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll know that I have this memory, but which which, uh, slide do I go down to get to it? That's the question. (laughs) And then you, like, have to go back up. Is it this one? And it's just, it's exhausting. You're sliding (laughs) down the snakes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so... Oh, you said yeah. shoots and ladders. Okay. Well, I you... think in the rest of the world, it's called like snakes, snakes and ladders. And... But there's two. Yeah. There's two different ones. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, as a Canadian, though, I will say that the Can- you've heard of a Mexican standoff, right? Yeah. 
So you, you do know what a Canadian standoff is? I've heard of it. That's where no. that's where a bunch of people are in a similar situation to a Mexican standoff, but you're out nicing the other person. So you'll have four cars at a four way stop, and everybody's like, "No, you go, you go." <laughs> ah, it depends. <laughs> I got cut off today by somebody who thought she didn't even look. I was like, "Lady, I was here first, and then okay." <laughs> I hate four way stops. Yeah, nah, I understand. Okay, we've seen. We're ADHD. I'm supposed to be the one with ADHD, <laughs> not the guest. You're supposed to keep me on track. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so what do you want to know about my background? So why don't you, um, I guess, start out. You can talk about, um, you know, obviously there's a billion different uh, Christ- types of Christianity. And some are ultra fun- fundamental and some are progressive and less so but i know in your case it was more on the fundamental side fundy yeah evangelical well you guys okay. put the fun in fundy and it's really weird because i don't even know how to explain it because we went so my dad when he became a christian like he grew up united but then he became saved through youth for youth for christ okay and he became baptist and my parents in the 70s, they went to this Baptist church and it was super, no movies, no dancing, no TV, you know, that kind of church. Right, right. And of course, the pastor had an affair. I mean, um, and then another pastor came in and he was kind of like a douchey guy and was like, this is my church. And so anyways, the church kind of collapsed. And so they went to another Baptist church. And then we went to Missionary Alliance Church, but I went to the Baptist Christian school. And then, I mean... We're kind of diverse in a way. And then I became a Pentecostal and I went to a Prosperity Charismatic, but then like normal Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. Was there, they wear jeans and coffee. Um, only one guy would speak in tongues and, but it was like rare. Um, but at the Prosperity church I went to, the, the pastor would every Saturday night we had to go to the church service and he was like, and there was no interpretation so i was thinking i don't think this is really biblical <laughs> it was just weird but there you know charismatic right. prosperity yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff going on but so anyways, you missed you missed an opportunity because you could have stood up and you could have been like god really wants everybody to give me ten dollars i really need ten. god really said to give me 10 pounds he said give your 10 percent to me not not the church yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Probably um, went over well. <laughs> so, but the thing is, yeah, I mean, we sort of had a normal childhood. Okay. Of, whatever that means. But it's funny because I'll tell people certain things are like, oh, my gosh, like my, my parents loved Bill Gothard. Do you know Bill Gothard? Ooh, okay. I, I <laughs> went deep down into the, the Bill Gothard, Duggar, Bates family rabbit hole. And I... I know far too much about the Duggars. Okay. It is scary. (laughs) They were, I think he got more extreme in the 90s when he started the homeschooling thing. Mm -hmm. My parents would go to his conferences in the 70s and 80s. And then when I was in high school in the 90s, we had to go to some conference because my dad's like, you have to go to a Bill Gothard conference. And I was like, okay. And there was a lot of Mennonites there. Um, And I just remember feeling so judged because when he would speak it was just a recording right um it wasn't like a real conference it was at a church somewhere close by but he was railing on debbie boone for singing a song about love do you remember that did you ever i i do not but yeah she sang she didn't sing a christian song she sang a song about love and he was like that's bad and then don't have any secular movies and music. Well, I was in high school in the 90s. I liked, you know, No Doubt, Insync, like, and I was like, oh, no, I can't listen to Christian music and move and what, or non-Christian. And yeah, I threw Gothard all had my... The, the beat, because you can't listen to things that have, like, that repeating beat. Pattern. Yeah. Is that so satanic? I, we weren't really, like, in, super intense about him, but I felt super bad. Right. After watch, because I'm like, oh, I got to be a good Christian. I have to throw out my. I, th- I had Jerry Maguire, and I threw it out because I was like, this is bad. I shouldn't be watching this stuff. Um, and I've been through 
periods of that where I had the TV show Dexter and Supernatural. And I love yeah. those shows, right? And then I'd be like, oh, I can't. This is bad. And I'd sell them to a secondhand store. And then my friend would watch and she goes, do you have them? I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I gave them, you know, I, I sold them. And then I enjoyed them. So I'd buy them back. And then I felt bad. So I'd sell them. Like, how much money did I waste by doing all this? Because I thought I was being so bad. <laughs> really? It was such a, it was such a mind. Can I swear? Yeah. I, I even have a disclaimer at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> because you, you, you're constantly stressed about, is this what God wants for me? You know, is this glorifying God because I'm watching a TV show? And then people at church will say, well, you shouldn't be watching. Like, I like The Walking Dead. And I had so many people. Stephanie, is that glorifying God? I'm like, who cares? You like baseball. You're obsessed with baseball. Why does it matter if I like a TV show? And, you know, the the amount of times you're watching baseball, you should be glorifying God. Like, why is this? Because it's right. about zombies it's a bad thing yeah so i've kind of been well we weren't super strict we still had tv um but it it, it was kind of sometimes really intense and other times we weren't that intense so but was, my was it like could you say it was maybe maybe like a maybe not a roller coaster like a kitty roller coaster of more and then less and then more yeah well like my dad is super into theology and his theology is the absolute truth, perfect theology. Well, that's so, usually how it works. <laughs> yes. So six-day creationist, anyone who believes in evolution is evil and denying Christ, which right. he has said to people in, at his church. Oh, um, I bet that makes him popular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Calvinist, very intense Calvinist. Now, thank God our eschatology was all millennial, so the world was neither getting bad or getting better. It was just times are always changing, and it's, you know. Right. So we I didn't have that fear of the rapture like a lot of kids did. Right. So I'm yeah. very grateful for that. Which is, which is good. <laughs> yes. But yeah. there was a lot of the everything is sin and very intense about truth. And I'm an... I'm an I'm a high, highly sensitive person, and I rather care about people than speak truth. So for me, that was always hard, and I would actually yeah. get talked down to because if you say, "Well, are we just supposed to love people? Like, why? Why do we have to be so intense?" and then you get mocked, you're like, "So you just want to tell people that Jesus loves them, and you're supposed to speak truth to them and tell them they're going to hell?" And I'd be so scared. I was like, "I hate doing that. Yeah, I'm not good talking yeah. to people, and so I'd be scared of." Of all non-Christians right. and atheists. And, yeah. Well, one of the um, things that I've come to realize, probably in the, just the last couple of years, is there's this weird thing of you go to church, you're told constantly you're not good enough. You yeah. aren't good enough. And this is why God had to send Jesus, because he's he took your place because you're not good enough, and he was the sacrifice. And so now if you accept him then you can go to heaven but that that part isn't the part it's that you're not good enough part right yeah so if you are sort of more on the sensitive side or more emotional or you're already a type of person that suffers with depression because it doesn't just hit you when you're 25 that you have depression you're born with depressive personality traits and issues so if you're constantly being told that you're not good enough that affects you and so like I would always, if I got upset or something, one of my things that I was always tell my mom and my dad is, well, I'm just not good enough. You just don't love me. How can you love me? I'm not good enough. To which, you know, it was always, oh, no, you're good enough. We love you. We love you. And then on Sunday, yeah. we'd go to church where you're not good enough. Yeah. And so it's this, you're not doing your kid any favor by constantly harping to them that they're not good enough. And I, I understand, you know, from the Christianity viewpoint and all of that, that you have to explain why. Christ had to come and, you know, <laughs> be the sacrifice. And I don't even know how to make it to where parents and churches don't do that you're not good enough. But it is certainly not helping kids right. when that gets hammered into them. And that sort of ties into what you're saying, is that you were sensitive 
and that probably did have an effect on you, and that might be why you didn't like oh, the other sure. part of sharing that part of Christianity. For sure. And also growing up Calvinist, you're taught that you're totally depraved. Right. And so we were the type who, if somebody gave you a compliment or, you know, I, so my mom is very sweet and people say, oh, your mom is so kind. And I would tell her, she goes, that's not me. That's Jesus. And so we always had to say it was God. It wasn't us. So I could never say I'm a good person. That was being, that's not, that's not good. Nobody's good. You right. know? And I had a life coach I was working with two years ago. And he said, the one thing I don't like about, you know, he had to be very careful how he said it, but kind of, I don't like that they talk about sin because of what I've seen it do to people. And I was still, I hadn't deconstructed at that point. So for me, I was thinking, oh, I better pray for him. I don't want him to go to hell. <laughs> right, he's right. not a Christian, right? <laughs> um, and I was really concerned because he's great. I, I really like him. So, uh, but then I started I got into deconstruction and I was learning about different things and thinking, and I started to feel more free because I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute, all of these things that I thought were sin are actually how my brain is wired or they were coping mechanisms or trauma responses or whatever. Right. right because I'm yeah. also starting to learn more about ADHD and cognitive development and you start to go, Oh, you know, and so all of this stuff, I got in trouble for watching soap operas as a teenager. You know, I was like, I remember confessing to my pastor's daughter because she was my friend, sort of. <laughs> and she's like, Stephanie, soap operas are bad. And I told her one time I stopped watching and she's like, my dad will be so proud. And who cares? Now I think who cares? You know? Yeah. I, I went through a phase of watching soap operas. Now I, I don't watch them because it's a waste of time for me. But what's the big deal? Why did I think that was such a sin? So. There was just so much shame and guilt when you grow up like that. Yeah. It's yeah. Worse. <laughs> it, 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 well, like we discussed, it can cause trauma later, especially sort of the more Bundy and strict. Yeah. The parents can be, obviously, you know, the worst, the sort of trauma from growing up that way can be. And a lot of times you don't necessarily realize that that's what's happened because that's just your life and you know you think oh that's how the world works and so you don't yeah. necessarily know that maybe it's not you know that way i have all of these weird quirks from my mom you can't you know oh keep in mind i was a kid when dungeons and dragon first came out i don't even know if i would have played it or not but i had it hammered into me that dungeons and dragons will will bring demons into you and so you yes. can't play it because you're letting i remember demons. that right so there's a point where i'm like that's just bullcrap it's just a game and my kids play it all three of them and they're always like hey why don't you play this and i'm like i can't i know that that's not the case right but it was so hammered into me i just i can't i i've gone to do it and I, there's just like this weird block and i can't do it um, I do think maybe I am working through it. There's uh, software that's out there where you can make maps for Dungeons & Dragons quests, and I'm making those for my son. <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe I'm, I'm maybe one day I will, I will get past that. But it's just this weird quirk with me, and it's because that's how my, you know, my mom hammered into me. And she believed all of the satanic panic stuff and i wasn't yep. allowed to listen to kiss rock music no yeah because backwards and, it's all satanic. yeah yeah and like like that. queen was a no-no because that had one in it was like two two years ago i was taking my mom to dialysis and a queen song came on and she's all you know matthew it's my nephew he was like four at the time she's like he really likes this song and it's a really good song and i'm like you know what <laughs> <laughs> what oh, do you not remember that i couldn't listen to queen oh really yeah finally when i was in like sixth grade my dad was like all of his friends listen to rock and pop and he can listen to rock and pop and so my mom was just like okay 
So my younger siblings have no idea the path I blazed for them. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you right? the oldest? Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, so you you were the guinea pig. That's what yeah. my niece says. She's the oldest. Yeah. She says, I was the guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. And well, it sounds like you have a lot of sort of similar things as well. Yes. We couldn't, even Michael W. Smith, remember in the 80s? Yeah. He was, and Amy Grant, they were too rocky. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, oh, who did my parents really listen to? George Beverly Shea and, you know, so anything that was Christian rock with guitars was like, yeah. oh, that's too. Uh, my first non-Christian music was New Kids on the Block. I was in like uh. five and my mom had to listen to the album first before we could start liking it. But, uh. <laughs> but I'm, do you, what, where did that Dan- Dungeons and Dragons thing come from because i remember specifically listening to focus on the family and james dobson said that he was called to a house and he had to the kids were all like had demons inside and he had to um what's it called uh, exorcism yeah or he had to pray over the demons because they played dungeons and dragons and i remember thinking oh my gosh i didn't know this like i heard it was bad but this really is true story because it's coming from james dobson yeah, it was an outshoot of Satanic Panic, and then okay. people like James Dobson. You have to remember, too, back in the 80s, there were preachers that were preaching that Smurfs were demonic. Oh, because the, the, well, the guy was pretty scary. Yeah, Smurfs were demonic. Gargamel? Cabbage Patch, yeah, Gargamel. Um, Cabbage, Cabbage Patch, Patch kids. kids? Yep, Cabbage Why? Patch kids were demonic. Because, so you know, I don't know, I don't know, you're, you might be a little young to have gone through the the two year or the year that was the craziness of cabbage patch kids so when you bought one they came with a birth certificate and like an adoption thing because you were adopting them and i know this because i'm my wife and then i had a little sister did they get real ones because they were too expensive we had the fake (laughs) ones uh my wife did my sister had one and then she had the fake ones (laughs) <laughs> but so on some of them because you know it's just like random generated names that have been printed on there well some of them i guess sounded satany or demony like the middle names so that meant obviously oh obviously they're demonic and then also they were born from the ground you know not people so that also meant they were satanic and some of that happened because the the satanic panic if you've never like gone in and did a deep dive on or gone down that rabbit hole it is insane how how deep and how much people believe that to the mm-hmm. point to where people were admitting to um uh, sexually abusing their children who didn't do it so their kids would go and they would like um do what it, hypnotherapy on their kids and then Obviously, they were implanting stuff, and they're like, oh, my dad's molesting me. And they would go and interview the dads, the police, and they're like, I have never done this. I've never done this. Well, after several months of continually being interrogated and your kids getting taken away from you and, you know, being told that this is what happened, finally guys would be like, well, if my kids are saying I did it, I must have. I have no memory of this. Yeah. But I obviously did. And, there, I mean, there were people that did, like, 10 years in prison. For a crime they didn't do because of this satanic panic that spread like wildfire. I and, heard about that, but I yeah. didn't know that was part of satanic panic. I thought it was yeah. like just the psychologist would say, like, plant that in kids' ideas or something in the 80s. Yeah, it, it's I don't far. Know. And it started kind of in the 70s and then it went through, oh, okay. through the 80s. That's one of the things that bugs me about um, the most about QAnon beliefs is it's just recycled satanic panic. Yeah. And you would think the people that, were parents during satanic panic would recognize with QAnon, I've gone through this before and it was bullshit. No, but no, no understanding. They, no, they, it, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's just changed instead of Satanists are doing it. Now it's Democrats or Hollywood elites. That's the only thing that's changed. Oh my goodness. But they're, they're the evil Satanists eating babies. And right. Even though like they're buddies, Trump was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. I know. Why don't they never? They ne- oh, so is Clinton, right? But yeah. Um, why do they never talk about? Uh, oh my gosh, don't even get me started. That's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. My dad yeah. loves him. 
Yeah. But um, well, we weren't allowed to watch. My sister and I loved Thundercats. Oh. And we weren't allowed to watch it because of the bad evil guy. It yeah. Too, my parents thought it was too scary. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but well, also the and the terror of because of all of the kids that had been kidnapped and were missing from what the 60s 70s 80s mm-hmm. there was then being overly cautious and we couldn't even be out of our parents sight so there yeah. was that fear of being kidnapped and murdered so i was also very super anxious about that too I, and i was scared of everything <laughs> see i have the opposite reaction because i have rage and i hate fucking phil donahue because this <laughs> bastard did this to me. He did an episode where about um, kids being kidnapped from malls and that it was blonde haired children because they like to kidnap them and then use them as sex slaves in Asia. Oh. Well, I was very, very blonde. Very, very blonde. And so I couldn't go to the mall because that's where these kidnappings took place. Oh, my goodness. So I couldn't go, you know, to the mall with my friends. And you have to realize, in, you know, 1984, 85, 86, the mall was the the hangout. And I could never do that. And all because of that fucking Phil Donahue. I obviously (laughs) need to forgive that man. Um, You should write him a letter. Is he still alive? I think so. And then, um, obviously, if I was, you know, spending the night with my friends, I quickly learned that. If we were going to go hang out at the mall, because their parents had no issue with it, because they obviously didn't watch Phil Donahue. It's <laughs> so I would, you know, go to the mall and just not say anything. Right. And then you're <laughs> lying, so you feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have a friend. Um, <laughs> she grew up Catholic. And she said, I, th- I don't know what age they have to start doing confession. But she said, I would lie. And make up things to confess because she's like, I was a good kid. I wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I, I've known other people that have done that too, and that's sort of looking back from an older standpoint. Um, sometimes you'll see, well, just because we mentioned it earlier, like the Duggars, and mm-hmm. so the girls will be talking about. And I realized when I was six years old that. I was just sinning against God, and I was just a really depraved person. And I'm like, you were six. You were not depraved or or sinning against God. It's just sort of this guilt, and it it does affect you later in life. Well, and, I mean, we got spanked. Mm -hmm. My parents, I mean, I only remember getting spanked a few times. It was only if we were super, super defiant. Right. Because James Dobson said, if they look uh, you in the eye and they say no, and you know they're being defiant, but if they spill milk and they don't mean to, that's not reason for spanking. Um, but I said to my mom, like, as I started learning about highly sensitive kids, we get upset and grumpy mm-hmm. easily if we're overstimulated. And I've always hated crowds. And um, if so, a lot of the temper tantrums when kids are kids <laughs> it's because they're overwhelmed or overstimulated or something's happening that they're emotionally upset about and there's parents still who's like no you just gotta spank the sin out of them and i'll tell my mom some of these things and she's like i'm because I, I remember i said i remember this specific situation and that's what i was feeling and she's like i'm so sorry i was like it's fine you didn't know they didn't even start learning about highly sensitive people until the 90s and i was already you know preteen and teen at that point but it's still there's still people living like this and treating their kids like this yeah and you're like no study psychology just google it it's not even you have to study it literally google some of this stuff you gentle parenting like what they talk about i'm like come on (laughs) don't spank your children and call them sinners just because of this kind of thing yeah yeah no and my my girls, my oldest is nine years older than my youngest. And so my oldest is always like, you guys were such different parents to Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, number one, we were teenagers when we started with you. Mm-hmm. And you're nine years older. And by the time we got to her, the things that we thought were important for you, we realized weren't important anymore. 
Right. And so it wasn't a big deal. And I'm like, and I'm sorry, we were young. We didn't necessarily know what we were doing. I'd be a, I would be a kick-ass dad if I had little kids right now, other than my lack of energy. But, <laughs> you know, because I would be so much, because I, I would sort of know, man, let that go. That's not important. This is, you know, let's focus on this. This is the important thing. And, yeah. You know, I obviously, I got spanked too. Yeah. Um, it was sort of weird in my family. My my little brother, who's the middle child, is perhaps one of the most stubborn people to have ever lived on the planet. <laughs> and so if we got in trouble, like, and I knew I was going to get spanked, I'd get spanked and I'd start crying. Even if I didn't need to cry, I was crying. But I knew I had to get that spanking out of the way and then I'd start crying and then, oh, I'm so sorry. I go to your room, yada, yada, yada. My yeah. brother gets spanked and he'd turn around and go, that didn't hurt. <laughs> so he'd get another spanking. Still didn't hurt. Oh, yeah? Well, then he'd get another spanking. That did not hurt either. And so he'd get another spanking. And you could see he'd have, like, tears, you know, welling up in his eyes. And he's like, I am not going to let my parent win. And he'd turn around and be like, that didn't hurt. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. And, Strong guy, eh? And my, yeah. My sister, it would just be like... All right, turn around. And she just... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, oh, my God. And, and she never got spanked because she would just start bawling from that. And I was like, that would not work for me because I'm a dude, number one. <laughs> but so, but yeah, no, I if I had kids now, I'd, younger kids, I'd still have kids. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I would ever spank them. I would figure yeah. something else out. Well, and I, we were always told, remember when they started saying spanking is abuse? Mm-hmm. And we were defiant. And no, it says it in the Bible. Spare the rod, spoil a child, or what's that verse in Psalms or Proverbs or something? Yeah, I think it's Proverbs. Train your child yeah. up in the way it should go. Yeah. And, like, Speaking of that, were your parents, since they were fundies, did they read, because they read the, the Dobson, did they also do the pearls to train up a child? Do you know if that was something that they read? Oh, the book To Train Up a Child? Yeah, by, what is it, Mike Pearl and then his wife, Debbie? I think it's Probably. My dad has over 8,000 books. That's a lot of books. I hope they never move. Probably every book on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they they did a variety of different. That book's a guide on how to abuse your children. Because he talks about go to, like, Home Depot and buy a a PVC pipe that's like a half inch diameter because it's super flexible and use that to spank your kids. Nice. Yeah, that's... And they're like, after... They're like, it only takes four or five times and then your kids will will do what you tell them to. And it's like, yeah, because they're terrified. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my dad... So we got the... Mostly it was the kitchen spoon, the wooden spoon. Uh But one day my dad found a horse whip on the road. Oh, and picked that up and thought it would be a great spanking tool. So he used that. Now it was only on our bums, so it wasn't abuse. So they said, Um, but that thing fucking hurt. Yeah, so I I can imagine. And now he says, "Don't tell people that we did that to you." I mean, I don't think he could get charged now because I'm forty in my forties. Right? Like, like, so so you're admitting that it was wrong. Well, he's that scared why you don't of the want liberals. me to say it. <laughs> the liberals are so evil, and they take over, and the conservatives, right. should, you know, the world's I going know. to hell because liberals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> so funny. <laughs> so, it, so you said uh, earlier that you know you went started out at Christian school, went to secular high school, and then you went to college. Yeah. So, what sort of so as an adult and all of that, were you still a regular, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday church going type of person? Or did you, you become, you know, the backslidden Christian? I've been off and on backsliding for 20 years because, first of all, I'm an introvert. Right. And it's exhausting. I hate Sunday night church. Why? We had to go Sunday morning. You come home, you have lunch, you hang out for a bit, and then you have to go back. Why? Oh, I hated that as a kid. And um, yeah, But if you're in school, <laughs> you have to go to church. If not, like at least once on a Sunday, if not twice, and then Wednesday night, right? Right. And then you work, and you have to go to 
you're exhausted and you don't really have time to do anything. And then you're supposed to volunteer at church and do all these activities and meet up with your friends and go to the gym and have a life and work. And, you know, and I used to so I used to be so jealous of non-Christians. I'm like, they just have to worry about work and friends and whatever. They don't have to worry about all that plus church. Right. And it's exhausting. And I used to think, what's wrong with me? Why do you know, I'd get all, um, some people would say, because I'd rather be at home just chilling. And I remember when I was a kid at the Christian school and I said, oh, I don't like going to church. And, oh, Stephanie, do you love TV? Because I was like, I just want to stay home and watch TV. Do you love TV more than God? And I was like, no. Well, you just admitted that. I was like, oh, oh, no, I'm so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now, I, you know, you find out you're an introvert. You like just staying home. You enjoy the relaxing. I can also feel, because I'm also em- empathetic, empath- yeah, I have a tendency to see bullshit in people. So when I'm around inauthentic people, I'm not comfortable. So I've mm-hmm. never been comfortable at church because there's so many people who are just fake. Yeah. And I yeah, used to I think, understand. what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be myself? Why do I, you know, and I had to feel fake because you had to put on this face. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're always putting on this different person and you can never be true to your unless you're with your non-christian friends or coworkers you kind of felt always fake i i i get that um i have obviously a lot of friends church go to church everything and i would say probably out of you know 50 100 people there are maybe 10 of them that i feel that it's like the real deal and they live their life and they're so authentic that way yeah and um this isn't i'm not hate i don't want people to think i'm hating on anybody i'm just no and there are some amazing people at church it's just yeah i think it's hard to find yeah well and maybe now it's different because i think in the 80s and 90s was very legalistic right i I have a depending on the church i have (laughs) a friend and she is if you were to put up a model of how you want somebody as a Christian to sort of behave and treat everybody, she is that person. And that's one of the things that I love about her, <laughs> you know, as a friend, is that she is really that way. Yeah. And the cool thing is um, her husband is is the exact same way as she is. And I just love that she found the person that is the right ideal person for her and you know even though it it, my beliefs or whatever don't matter in this case but that's how you expect people at church to behave and generally you know what happens is on friday night they're out getting drunk (laughs) and then on sunday morning you know they're on their knees praying and it's like "Ah," and they're you know dicks frequently so (laughs) i i felt it was really at growing up in the church and in youth group it wasn't until somebody mentioned this because I was like, I always hated youth group. Why did I hate it? Why did they force us to to play these stupid games? And somebody said youth group was meant for the popular, athletic, outgoing kids. That's true. So when you're very shy, anxious, don't like being the center of attention, and you're not athletic, you hate that shit. Yeah. I only enjoy the sitting down and listening to the cert, like the the youth group leader i hated all the other stuff and i was shamed for it like my friend and i would run to the bathroom so we wouldn't have to play some of these games and then we got you know talked at and i also felt like a lot of church was popularity contest right and so you know it's i guess it's different because you know they say well the body of christ we're all different and we're supposed to just get along and be but with your non-christian friends so you kind of pick your people whereas at church you're just supposed to you're just thrown in together right right i think that's why it feels so weird because normally you wouldn't associate with some of these people but you kind of have to because you're the body of christ right yeah no i i understand um there's sort of this weird thing of someone will leave the church and it's always oh i bet you were hurt at church someone hurt you You know (laughs) The church isn't the people. It's supposed to be about a relationship of Jesus. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, you'll hear, well, you know, the Bible says where two or more people are gathered together in my name, I am there with you. And 
So it's like, well, well, which is it? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, um, well, you can't, you can't say that, well, the church shouldn't hurt you because it's not made up of people, but the church is made up of people. Right. At the same time. And it's like, maybe you should be nice to people when you're at church. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and I but, mean, you know, it is a good experience learning to deal with different kinds of people. Right. But I guess it just always felt like I'm forced to go two, three times a week and talk to some of these people who are, some of them are like, there was this one small prosperity church I went to and the pastor's kids were like working at the church and they were treated like royalty and they were like the biggest assholey kind of people and everyone was sucking up to them all the time and i just was they're like, royalty oh, be my friend and then barely even acknowledge me and i was thinking wait what kind of stupidity is this i'd rather not come why do i have to come to this kind of place right when they treat you like shit aren't we supposed to treat each other with kindness and i would always try to be nice to people and some of them were the pastors and their wives and their family that were the worst and i'm yeah. It, you know, it, like seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. You know, a lot of times the the pastor and their family are treated like royalty in the church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're big because, and everyone and puts them and, up on a pedestal. Right. And I I I understand that that's human nature, right? Cuz yeah. you're the pastor, you're in the leadership position. Leaders usually are put on pest, uh, pedestals and it just sort of, you know, goes from there. So I I get that. It's just human nature, but you yeah. should still be kind. <laughs> well, it, I think it's especially hard when they're talking at you like you're supposed to be this perfect being. Right. Like it's always you should, you should, you should. And yeah. they don't even take your own advice like okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope I don't sound okay, so sometimes <laughs> when I was deconstructing like the first part I was learning things and people are like, you sound so angry. And I'm really less, a lot less angry. But it's so deep, some of this stuff, because it's right. from when you were born of 40 years of this. So it's like people want you to just get over things or just say, well, that was of God or what, you know what I mean? And sometimes well, yeah, I it's... still sound angry, but I'm I'm working through it. But I'm Right, really... it's not called religious trauma. Syn or it's called religious trauma syndrome for a reason. It's not called religious sort of had a bad time syndrome, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so when, especially when you're a kid growing up, you know, a lot of, you know, internal wounds and mental wounds happen. And if yeah. you never confront them, it doesn't matter if it happened in your teen years and you confront them in your 70s or 60s or 50s or your 40s. It's going to affect you pulling up those memories. And it doesn't even any bad memories that happen in your teen years. If you pull them up later on, it's going to affect you. And yeah. it's not that you're, I mean, you're obviously irritated, but it's not that you like, oh, I hate everybody that goes to church. But to tell your story, you have to talk about how you were hurt as a kid is you were going through this. And even as an adult, too, sometimes, because that that can happen as well, which well, sort just... of, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just, people will say, I know you're upset when you swear. So I'm kind of swearing a little bit more than I would normally right now. <laughs> That's why I, I just don't want to sound so angry, but um, yeah, sorry. So was it um, a lot of people when the pandemic started and then you were kind of at home? Because is that one of the things that sort of maybe jump started your your deconstruction oh. process, because that is a very common thing that has happened with people. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I say. I say it started two years ago with Trump, then the pandemic and the responses of literally all my families and evangelical friends. And then when George Floyd died and I started, okay, I want to know why are people always talking about race? Because we're very, re well, I'm, Canadian, so conservative, but like Republican conservative, and listen to Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and all those people. And I always believed everything my dad said because he's very he he's on the computer all the time. He studies this stuff, and he's kind of bullish about it a little bit. So he's like, "No, this is the truth." So I'd be like, "Okay, I don't know," and I would listen to people telling their different stories, and I'm thinking, "But they make sense over here." 
no. So you're kind of terrified of listening to the left. Right. Because yeah. Republicans have to conserve. You have to be conservative. You're scared of not being a Christian and going to hell. So people will say, well, why didn't, why did you believe everything your dad said? You're scared. <laughs> yeah. So, but I questioned it for 20 years. I have gay friends. Right. I've always been like, I've had them since high school. And it was always a struggle for me because they're like the greatest people. They've just been so gracious with me and we're still friends for so long. But I, you know, I'd be like, I love you, but I can't, you know, it's wrong. And I, 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 you know, I don't want to listen to your stories about your boyfriend, your girlfriends or whatever. Right. And I just, it's so cringy now because I'm thinking it would always bothered me that I had to, but then there's, they say to you, well, if you don't like what God says and you're saying that you're God and so you, you know, you're denying him. Yeah. So I was always so scared of that. But I would have these moments where I hated church. I would question things. Um, I would see abuse with women and we weren't allowed to be feminists. So I'd be like, well, why should, you know, the power of the parent praying wife by Stormy O'Martian. Uh-huh. Uh, my sister and my mom read it and they're like, it's up to the woman to pray for her husband. And I remember being angry about that. And I was backsliding at the time. So I thought, well, I'm just being an angry, trying to be an angry feminist. Because I said, why is that on the woman to pray for the man? Because he's being like abusive or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, because this is what God says. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm being bad. And I need to come back to Christ and read the Bible again. But I've always been questioning these things. But I was just too, I thought I was backsliding and I was too scared. But I remember mm. I when I would stop reading my Bible and praying for a while, I was a better person. And I'd go to work and I just felt freer. I didn't have to talk about God. I didn't have to like say that was wrong. And I'm like, I'm backsliding. Oh, please, God, forgive me. But And then I'd be like, well, I have to get back to God. So I'm going to become an asshole again. And I hated that feeling. And I used to wonder, why am I a worse person when I'm praying and reading my Bible yeah. than I am when I can just be a nice person at work? Right? <laughs> right? I mean, have you heard this before from people? I, I have. That's similar, similar versions of, you know. Hey guys, Editor Jack here from the future. And when Stephanie and I were recording this episode, we ended up recording for about an hour and 45 minutes. So rather than have one super long episode... I have decided to cut this episode in half and have two slightly shorter episodes than normal. So um, I am going to call this the end of part one and part two will uh, air next week. Uh, thanks. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.